welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gone. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly. Wildfires sweep across California. Earliest harvest ever in Champagne as harvests begin across France. Chinese open investigation on Australian exports as tensions mount. Ryan Reynolds Aviation Gin bought by Diageo. And as ever, our wine of the week. Well, let's begin with our week in wine, as we usually do, but this week we're going to combine uh, what we've been up to with uh, the local news, which has been um, quite disastrous this week as wildfires have swept across California. Yes, well, it's always difficult to stay on top of the news because when our last week's pod uh, aired on Monday, uh, the wildfires in Napa had already started um, from all instigated from the lightning strikes from the storm we had. I think it was Saturday night, Sunday night, there was some lightning going on as well. So hit in a few different spots and have started uh, a few different uh, fire complexes. So we were on our way to Lake Tahoe to do sort of a a work away um, to a little change of scene. And on Monday afternoon, as we drove into the Tahoe Basin, uh, we could just see a layer of smoke just, you know, hanging over the lake. Couldn't even see the lake. And I looked up on my phone and saw that there was another fire uh, north of Lake Tahoe. So in efforts to kind of get away from it all, we were actually heading towards another wildfire. We'd actually found the lightning uh, quite romantic and quite fun, because you never get it in California. Uh, but it turns out it has actually had some pretty um, dire consequences, because um, the land is so dry that to be um, struck by lightning has just incited all these fires across California. And so we spent the week in a small cabin in South Lake Tahoe. The fires are actually North Lake Tahoe, so we were just getting the smoke and the ash, and the air quality was really bad. So we were just kind of stuck in our small cabin. But, you know, more importantly, in terms of wine anyway, uh, there are the fires in Lake Berryessa, Lake Hennessy, and Napa, and then Sonoma County. Uh, there's blazes going in Jenner and near Healdsburg. Santa Cruz uh, in Monterey County, and winemakers are rushing to harvest grapes before being affected by smoke taint. So it will be really interesting to see how this will affect the 2020 vintage. Uh, I know Esther Mobley of San Francisco Chronicle, the wine writer, she wrote that it might mean a lot of rosé for the 2020 vintage. Yeah, I'm not sure she said that tongue-in-cheek, but um, she may actually be quite um, accurate on that. A lot of uh, harvest being done very early to avoid that smoke taint. Uh, The sparkling wine uh, grapes are certainly coming in nice and early, so they can get them in kind of naturally. That's what they do anyway. But for white grapes, um, it's probably okay right now, but uh, for red grapes, it would be very early to harvest them now. And so as we drove back from Tahoe on Saturday, uh, we saw all the smoke all the way through from Sacramento down to uh, Napa and into into Sonoma, and we saw burnt land, really brown. And here in Petaluma, although we're not that near the fires, it's really smoky and ashy. And basically going outside is like smoking a pack of cigarettes. So there are 20 fires across northern and central California, currently active, covering about 63,000 hectares. Five wineries have evacuated near Santa Cruz. And there's been damage done to Nicolini, Brown, and Summerston Estate in Napa. But the fires do seem to be moving away uh, from the vineyard sites anyway. Um, But the wind and warm weather aren't helping at all to curtail these fires. So it might be a difficult battle ahead. And it's early. You know, this is a... We now have 
wildfire season. It is a new normal for us here in, in wine country in California and all around the state. You know, mid-August is, is very, very early. Yes, and I think people were confident that they were controlling the fires. And then this weekend with the wind and the warm weather that's predicted to continue was just um, really um, hindering people's efforts to um, curtail these fires. So it's going to be a difficult week, as you've said. And why do these wildfires keep happening? I mean, what are the causes for them? Because the obvious answer is climate change, because the weather's getting warmer and warmer. And that's certainly something to do with it. But I think also because um, so much of California is built up, these wildfires really do damage uh, property because um, houses have been built in sites which are uh, prone to wildfire. Well, and also we were discussing uh, agriculture here in California, a huge industry. So not just wine grapes, but many other uh, produce. The farming, you know, has really kind of taken its toll on the land. And I think you mentioned something uh, about hedges and the fact that there are no hedges, which are a natural fire break. And because those have all been torn out for this commercial kind of, you know, large scale farming, uh, it allows wildfires to wreak havoc once they start. Yes, it was Steve Mathiasen who was telling me about this back in February when I was uh, touring around with Francis Robinson. And he, on his property, has deliberately planted and cultivated hedges. And I thought that was quite unusual. I'm British. I'm used to hedges dividing properties are very important in the UK. And I never quite realised that California used to have a lot of hedges that did the same thing. And it's not just fire, but it's any kind of disease break or um, just a natural division between different properties. And um, it just kind of summarised that California really hasn't looked after its land properly and that this large-scale industrial agriculture has really damaged the land and we're, we're seeing the effects right now. So hats off to all the firefighters working day and night tirelessly to keep us safe. And, you know, if there's anything you wonder that you can do, you know, from abroad or wherever you are, um, I suppose just drink California wine and buy more bottles to support the producers in in this industry. And we'll keep you posted uh, with more news on these wildfires. Um, Hopefully we'll see an end in sight very soon. Meanwhile, on with the news. This week saw the earliest ever start to a harvest in Champagne, as the region's growers and producers agreed to limit yields which could result in more than 70 million fewer bottles being produced this year. Yields have been set to 80 hectolitres per hectare, down from 120 hectolitres per hectare last year. These yields mean that that around 230 million bottles could be produced, down from the 297.5 million produced last year, which is already a little lower than um, the Champagne usually produces. The growers had wanted yields to be higher, of course, and the producers, of course, for them to be lower. Growers stand to lose over €14,000 per hectare at these agreed yields. As most growers own about three hectares, they could be losing €43,000 apiece. But producers expect demand to be far lower next year due to the current economic crisis and don't want to have to deal with excess wine. The agreed yields are a compromise, as producers wanted yields to be as low as 60 hectolitres per hectare. The early harvest in Champagne, which started in the most southerly region, Côte de Bar, on the 20th of August, is reflected across France. Burgundy's harvest was also due to start in the last few days, for Chardonnay, although high temperatures are causing problems for Pinot Noir. Alsace's harvest is set to begin before the end of the month, while Bordeaux is 15 days ahead of the five-year average. Overall, yields are predicted to be 6-8% to up on last year, but quality also looks to be high as the warm, dry days have been balanced by cool nights. Well, it's hot here in California, and that's what's 
helped cause the wildfires and it seems like it's pretty warm in France as well. And this is a continuing trend, especially in Champagne. The harvests are getting earlier and earlier, uh, usually mid-September. And here we are, mid to late August, and they're harvesting already. And this has been echoed across France because um, Loire is going to be early as well. Um, Burgundy is coming in, um, as we've mentioned, Bordeaux. The Rhone actually seems to be more on track, but that's a warm climate anyway, so perhaps they're more used to this weather. But this is something that producers are going to have to get used to, and it's difficult. In the last few years, China has become a key export market for Australia, with close relations between the two countries aiding Australia's economy. However, the relationship has begun to turn sour, and Australian wine is suffering. The Chinese government has announced an investigation into Australian wine exports into the country, accusing Australia of dumping wine into the market at a low price to maintain their market share. The investigation comes after complaints with the local wine industry, who feel they cannot compete with the low prices of Australian wine. This is also the possibility of a second investigation into whether Australian wine exports receive government subsidies, again to the detriment of Chinese wine. This investigation is a big blow to the Australian wine industry, as the Chinese market is worth over 1.2 billion Australian dollars, almost half of the total of Australian wine exports. The news of the investigation caused Treasury Wine Estates shares to fall by 15%. The strained relationship between China and Australia has been caused by fear of Chinese interference in Australian politics, cyber attacks, the decision to prohibit Huawei's involvement in Australia's 5G network, and criticism of China's crackdown on Hong Kong. This news shows how important the Chinese market is to Australia, and not just for wine, but in general. And relying on China is a a tricky um, way to go because obviously there's a lot of money to be made and there's a lot of new markets to be um, to drive sales. It's also very volatile as we see here in the US uh, just with all of the the tech, uh, the apps, the uh, issues with privacy, you know those things are, are constantly coming to light and have great effect on trade. So yes volatile as you say and this is tricky for Australia and I wonder how they're going to um, cope with this because if that's half of their total exports um, in wine terms, um, that's going to be really detrimental to the Australian market. And I think Australia is not doing anything different here than they have in other export markets. You know, with they've always been able to offer uh, very low-priced wines. I mean, we see that with Yellowtail around the world. It's it's something that all markets have to deal with. I don't think it's targeted strictly on China. No, I think this is uh, more political than it is uh, factual. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds' gin brand Aviation has been bought by Diageo in a deal worth $610 million. The acquisition has come through Diageo, buying a majority stake on Davos Brands, who acquired the gin brand in 2016. Reynolds will keep an ongoing ownership interest in Aviation Gin. And this follows Diageo's purchase of Casamigos, George Clooney's tequila brand, which they bought for $1 billion um, last year. And so this is um, all part of this celebrity drinks culture, which we've been commenting on. Uh, the last few weeks, the focus has been on rosé, because it's rosé season, and all these celebrities are making rosé. But it shows also that celebrities are interested in spirits as well. And aviation gin has been a very successful gin. So Brian Reynolds has done a good job of building that brand and also making quite a bit of money out of it. Well, and he's never claimed it as a clean gin. So I think he's he's safe from any criticism that, that could come from 
the trade or consumers. Yes, and uh, he apparently wrote an apologetic email to George Clooney because he had accused George Clooney of selling out when um, he sold Casamigos and made a lot of money from it. And now he says, hmm, now I understand um, how you can make all this money and I don't feel guilty. And now for our wine of the week, which is Matthew? Well, I get to announce the wine this week because it's really easy to say. It's Land of Saints, a Grenache Syrah blend from Santa Barbara, uh, 2019. Beautifully enunciated. Well done. So this wine is a collaboration between Angela and Jason Osborne of A Tribute to Grace, who works solely with Grenache in Santa Barbara County, and Manuel Cuevas of C2 Cellars, uh, also in Santa Barbara. And it's a fun collaboration, um, and quite an international one as well. Angela is from New Zealand, uh, Jason is from Cornwall, while Carlos is Mexican-American. And they met working the 2013 harvest, and they found they had a lot in, lot in common, despite all their different backgrounds. And in fact, I think the fact they had lots of different backgrounds actually brought them together, as they could explore and share their different um, cultures. And so they started making wine together. Land of Saints is a nickname for Cornwall, because so many saints are from there. Fun fact. So this wine is 60% Grenache, 40% Syrah, and from four different areas in Santa Barbara, Los Alamos, Los Olivos, Happy Canyon, and San Ynez. And this is the, the beauty of blending from different sites, because it brings the price down, because it's a pretty affordable wine. It's $22, $23. And all these sites are fermented and aged separately in used barrels before blending a month before bottling. And Katie, this is um, part of my new wine club selection, and I wanted to uh, share some of the wines with you to see if they met with your approval. What do you think of this one? Well, it really was delicious, and I'm not just saying that because I'm your wife. Uh, it was fruity, you know, it's perfect to serve just slightly chilled, so really nice when you're locked in a tiny cabin and it's smoky and hot outside. Uh, so we had this our first night in Tahoe, and we arrived um, a bit late, and we didn't really feel like going out and getting anything for the fridge to prepare for dinner, so we, we just ate what we had, which was some salami, some cheese, some bread, and this wine went perfectly perfectly with that. Just a nice little charcuterie platter. Uh, Youthful, approachable, easy, but nicely serious. So well done on a wine club selection with Blackpool Mats Wine Club. Thank you, Katie. And what I like about this wine is that it's affordable, which is difficult with California wine because they can be a little too expensive sometimes. But I think this one is a, a good price. But it's also young and fruity as well. It's 2019. It's drinking beautifully now. And it's designed to be drunk now, and I like that in a wine. It's not, oh, we have to wait five years before we can open it. Let's drink it now. Enjoy it. Cheers to that. So that's it for Wind Up Weekly this week. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gone. Join us next week for another Wind Up. And in the meantime, we ask that you please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That helps other listeners searching for the news in wine to find us. Especially if the reviews are positive. That's right. See you next week. Cheerio. Cheerio.